Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about? Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever think of hiring a copywriter? That's pretty good. Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release. This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo. What do you think? Mm, maybe you should hire a copywriter. Cool that they're leading the sales race, though. That's good. Yeah, it's actually more than good because they were so dominant last year. We've earned more than our fair share of new Nissans. We have 40 Altimas available for March and 120 Rogues. Check out the huge selection of Nissans at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zap. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Little news, little information. You know what I'm saying. I was just looking at the news. There's not a whole lot of news you want to report. Everybody is still in the. There's some actually. There's some positive things going on in the world for a change. I guess. That's what I understand, anyway. I have but, some good news. We have girlfriend on the phone. Oh, that's, that's about as good as news gets right there. And I've got great news. Uh-oh, what is it? Oh. Well, good news in my family, uh, because we're sort of affected by this, and that is that Robert Durst has finally been found guilty of murder. And what a, what a sentence. He'll be sentenced to uh, 
prison for the rest of his life. Of course, he's 78. Unless he pulls a Sid Hartman, it's not going to be that many years. How about spending 22 years in prison of the years from 78 to 100? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'd be a thrill. And the guy, and you know, of course, it's hard to say what sort of shape he's in, but naturally at the trial, he was in a wheelchair. I mean, that's a must, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, They're all in wheelchairs. Oh, yeah. And they're all going blind. Yeah, You know, they got the shawl over their lap. Most And, you know, he's saying, he's saying, I, I, I didn't quite understand the question. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? He understood. (laughs) He understood it just like the way he understood, you know, when he was chopping his wife into little pieces. Is that what he did? He chopped her up, too? I didn't know he chopped her up. Well, one of his victims, he, he chopped up and, and then just, you know, put the pieces in garbage bags. And uh, they found the pieces, but he still was found uh, not guilty. So uh, this guy's had some, let's just say he's had some juries that greatly respected him. Yes. Get the idea. Yes. I, do you think there was any money involved in any of that? No, no. I, I can't imagine. No. So, so now, of course, he's, you know, he's been... He's been convicted of killing uh, his wife, Susan Berman. Now, as, as you may recall, uh, Susan Berman was married to my third cousin, Mr. Margulies. That's right. That's right. Mr. Mister. Mr. Margulies. Mr. Margulies' dad, Jay, he was my, I guess you'd say, he was my third cousin once removed. Jay was, a, uh, was probably the top lieutenant of Davy Berman, who ran the Minneapolis Rackets for quite a while. And then and then Davey went out to Vegas, and, of course, uh, uh, my my cousin, uh, Jay Margulies, went with him. The family did. And the uh, family wasn't mixed up in this, just Jay. I want to say that. I want to make that clear. Sure, sure. Uh, because uh, because Mr. Mr. has been dead for a long time, but his sister... His sister uh, is is my age, and and we're good friends. So I do have a connection to the family, and I know she's been following this very carefully. But um, but Susie, Susie was married to Mister for I think maybe a couple years. Oh, okay. marriage didn't last long because uh, he was a heroin addict, and uh, in theory at least he died eventually of a not that not that far away from when they were married died of a supposedly an overdose of heroin, but. You know, I think you have to wonder uh, maybe if he had a little help with that overdose. You think? Just a possibility? I, well, when you just look at the, the people we're dealing with, I, I kind of think so. Now, now Jay, a uh, mister I didn't know very well, although I did spend quite a bit of time with mister. Uh, I was in Las Vegas when I was, oh gosh, I must have been 21. And... Um, I uh, so I went to visit uh, the family, and I when I say family, I, you know, you can take it either way. But um, but Jay, Jay, I had a long talk with Jay, and then Mister uh, Mister was he was a few years younger than me, not that much younger, but he was like sixteen at the time, and he gave me a tour of Las Vegas, including all the worst places you could find. So this kid knew too much too early. There was no no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, it's just not, not a great situation. And then, of course, Susan wrote a book. Actually, I have, I have the book right here next to me. It's called Easy Street. And it was basically sort of a, uh, you know, my father, the mobster story. Right, right. So um, a lot of stories I could tell about, about Jay and the family. But, um, 
I had a very memorable conversation with Jay. I was 23 or 24 years old, and uh, I, w- I was working for the Minneapolis Tribune. And I'm, I'm working late, and uh, my assistant city editor, uh, Jimmy Parsons, good old boy from Tennessee, comes up to me and he says, uh, Boy, I got a little uh, obit for you to write, and I don't think it's going to be easy. And I said, Why? He said, Well, this guy just died, and uh, his, his name was Jack Apple. And, Jack uh, Apple, okay. Yeah, and apparently he was a mobster. I said, yeah, mm, yeah, he was, yeah. I knew about Jack Apple. Jack Apple was uh, was a hitman for the mob. And uh, I kind of suspected that uh, since he was based here and eventually went to Vegas, he probably probably knew Jay. So I called Jay up in, in Las Vegas. Jay, uh, Jay had fairly recently been firebombed by the mafia, so Jay wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, let's, let's just say that uh, his mind wandered a little bit, because that's a, kind of a life-changing event when you're firebombed by the mafia. Yeah, I could see that, yep. yep. Jay thought one day he had the idea, he was running a gift shop, you know, they had set him up with this gift shop in, in a casino, and, and Jay had the idea one day that, you know, he could probably provide for his family a little better. If uh, if mafioso guys weren't coming in every ten minutes and taking money out of the till, so Jay decided to open up a second gift shop downtown, and uh, the firebomb was the response to that. So anyway, I called up Jay. A lot of digressions in this story because there's so many tributaries. It's like a you know sure. a huge river. Sure. You keep you keep running into these tributaries, and you have to respect them, but. So I called up. I called up Jay and I said, "Jay, uh, it's Mike. You know, Mike Gelfan. How you doing?" And we kind of, you know, reminisced about old times. And I said, "Well, I'm writing a story, uh, trying to put together a little obit on uh, on Jack Apple. Uh, did you Did you know Jack?" He said, "Well, did I know him? He's one of my closest friends. Of course, I knew him." So he gave me a little information, and uh, apparently, I may have been too conversational because it seemed like he kind of forgot that I was writing a story. At least in retrospect. At any rate, so I said, well, you know, what, what was your impression of him? And he said, listen, i got to tell you something. Jack Apple was, was a great guy. He was a, if, if, if you were a friend of Jack Apple, he gave you the shirt off his back. And I said, oh, okay. So what if you were his enemy? And he paused briefly and he said, he'd kill you. <laughs> well, shirt off your back, kill you. So, yeah. you know, naturally I went with that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, uh, oh, that's a mistake. Yeah, and Jay was not happy about that. No, Again, he, no. Yeah, he just didn't realize that I was calling as a journalist, not so much as a cousin who hadn't talked to him in 15 years. God, what a story that is. That's a great story, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite a family. We just had a guy on, Gio- uh, Giovanni uh, Rocco is his name. He, he did undercover uh, the Cavalcante family, the most... The notorious, uh, they were basically the the real Sopranos. That's the name of his book is The Real Sopranos. The mm-hmm. Cavalcante family. He went undercover for years and years. And he was a nice, nice Italian boy from Bayonne, New Jersey. And I asked him a question at the very end of the interview. Did a great interview. It was a really good interview. <clears throat> he doesn't give his real name, obviously. His real name is not Giovanni Rocco, but... I asked him a question. I said, I, as a nice Italian boy, I'd like, I'd like to know something, because I just heard this this morning, which was reported in the news, that um, 
that DiGiorno is putting out a macaroni and cheese pizza, which is true, by the way. They are now, yep. now going to put out a macaroni and cheese pizza, okay? So, uh, so Giovanni, uh, what do you think? Would you, uh, would you like a macaroni and cheese pizza? And he paused and said, you lost me at DiGiorno. <laughs> which I thought was wonderful. I thought that was just correct. You know, I have, so Mike, is it because, and people I don't think know this anymore, and they certainly don't ever talk about it, I know, and you know because of our, our early childhoods, that even though Minneapolis was the most anti-Semitic city in America, is, is it because of that that organized crime in Minnesota was run by Jews because they had no other way to make a living? Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. just like just like the Italians uh, before the Jews and, you know, the Irish. It's, uh, yeah, that's uh, discrimination and hatred obviously force people into professions that may not have been their first choice, but you, you got to make a living. My, my, a lot of my cousins, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but, it, but more than one, were bookmakers. And, you know, because that was one of the right. things that they, they could do. I, I remember visiting another cousin. This wasn't Jay, but I remember visiting another cousin. Um, and it was kind of a rare thing because we didn't really have much contact with our cousins. My dad was an only child. And uh, my mom had a few cousins, but not that many. And um, and so, you know, but, but this on, on some occasions we'd do this. Uh, I had one uncle, but I didn't know him that well. So we went over to one of our cousins' house. I have no idea why, but we were over there, and um, I went down to the basement with uh, with my my cousin, who was he must have been he must have been about my age. Uh, he was probably like my fifth cousin or something. I didn't know him very well, and uh, I kind of lit up because when we got down to the basement, there was a I saw a big uh, ping pong table, and you know. Living in Cretan, on Cretan Avenue, we really didn't have room for a ping pong table. Right. We didn't have like a recreation room, you know. What? No. No, I know it. That's oh, terrible. But you know what? We had something more important. We had neuroses. Well, you did. Yes, that's true. I know that. Personally. So I, I, I said, uh, I said, hey, why don't we take, uh, why don't we take all that, you know, those little slits of paper off there, and play ping pong? And he said. Uh, my dad will kill us if we do that. So the little pieces of paper, and I'm talking about, you know, about about maybe a quarter of the size of the of the standard post-it note you see today. Right. Had numbers written on them, and it would be like, you know, one o four six five, and then it would say, it would say something like, you know, UNLV minus two, <laughs> you know, there UM you plus three, that kind of thing. Sure. And and. Uh, Next, next to that, under the under the ping pong table, there was a big bucket of water. So, in other words, the, these were uh, this, this was flash paper. You know what flash right, paper? Right. Sure. Is? Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Flash paper. You, you just so if the if the cops knock on the door, you take the flash paper, you throw it in the bucket of water, and everything just disappears. God. <laughs> what a world! What a world! Yeah, and you can imagine you can imagine Mister and and his sister, Mister Sister, who was my friend. Would it be Sister Mister or Mister Sister? Yeah, depending on whatever is convenient. That's true. Okay. And and uh, and the, but you can just imagine growing up in Susie Berman, of course, 
whose dad was Davy, the mobster, the lead mobster. You can imagine how their lives were a little different, you, you know, that, that growing up in that environment. Um, it's just not it's just not the same and you're always gonna feel ostracized and you know, and then you then of course, you know, you've got you've got the Jewish mobsters and they're moving out to Las Vegas in the fifties and remember now, Las Vegas was not controlled by the mob. Las Vegas was controlled by the Mormon banks. Right. That's exactly right. They supplied the money. So as you can imagine you, the, the, these poor Jewish kids of mobsters went to school, and they, you know, they were, they were in a sizable minority. Uh, most of the, most of their their friends, their schoolmates, were were far more likely to to be Mormons. Who, you, you may recall, the Mormons never did really have a high regard of the Jews, and I'm sure it was vice yes. versa. Yeah, because yeah. one of the things the Mormons have have done for many years, I I don't think I don't I think they still do it. In some places, even though um, the Jewish Anti-Defamation League and others have expressed their contempt for this, you know, they like to uh, retroactively uh, um, baptize Jews. In other words, they, they have ceremonies where they baptize dead Jews and turn them into Mormons. What? De- yeah. Dead Jews? Dead Jews, yeah, right. Well, why, why did they have to be dead? Because the Jews wouldn't well, guess, do it if they were alive. Well, they don't alive. have to be dead, but if they were alive, they would never allow it. Yeah, that's true. So they, they do this do ceremony while they're dead, and then that way they their spirit will go to heaven. Oh, well, see, there you go. Island. Why, now, Mike, obviously, you know, Minnesota has a big Scandinavian population, had a big uh, German population. What did the, the hatred of the Jews was was it both groups? Was it the Scandinavians and the Germans? Or what, what was the problem here? Well, all of the all of the hatred of Jews it was it was bad from the start. You know, the Jews came over here in, in not so much in Minnesota, mostly in New York, but they came over to the country, as you know, and by the millions at the turn of the century. Right. They were fleeing. If they weren't fleeing, you know, the the Germans, they were fleeing Stalin, but mostly mostly the the, the czars at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Russia was not a great place to be for for Jews, and. Uh, if you, uh, if you, uh, let's say you were the the big brother, you had three brothers. You were the big brother, and you were able to escape and and get to the United States. Well, then what would happen is the next in line, the brother in line, would have to serve your term in the army and his. So basically, oh. then you'd have to do twelve years in the army. Oh God! Not exactly fighting for a cause you believed in. Right. But. Um, also, also of course, you know now you get you get into the twenties and the thirties, and, and now Hitler's uh, making some moves, and now you have what people like uh, Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh would call the Jew problem. It wasn't the Hitler problem; it was the Jew problem. <laughs> yeah, Lindbergh was not exactly a, a favorite of uh, of the Jews. There's no question. Well, he was a Nazi sympathizer. Was he literally and, a Nazi? Well, but so. Who else? Wouldn't Joe Kennedy side shoulder to shoulder with him? Well, if there was enough money, yeah. There's <laughs> enough money to be well. That's exactly right, isn't it? And and so the the uh, you know so so and then you had Henry Ford, who of course uh, bought the Dearborn newspaper so that he could solely for the purpose of publishing the uh, you know the the. The lying conspiracy theory, the you know the the story of the the elders, 
And it was just all, it was all kind of like the conspiracy theories we're hearing today about the government implanting chips in people, you know, when they're getting right. the vaccine. Right. It was the sure. same kind of thing. It was just wild conspiracy theories. That, and everything was the fault of the Jews. And that kind of thing sort of captured the feeling of a lot of people, which was that not that not that Hitler was a threat to democracy and would eventually would would want to you know enslave us as right, well as everybody right. in Europe. It was that that if they could just get rid of the Jews or just let the Jews go, let them be exterminated, then you know Hitler would would take a pass on us. So is this all about Cack and Jesus? Is that was that the whole problem? Is that the Jews killed Jesus, and that's what they were so pissed <laughs> off about? You know. I have a feeling that just just from the reading I've done and things my parents had told me that it was it was really less about religion, more about culture. What was the problem with culture, though? That that, that this part I don't understand. Well, remember the remember the Nazis uh, marching down the streets in Virginia, you know, and uh, you know these were the the very good people, of course. Um, and 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 chanting Jews will not replace us, which was one of Hitler's slogans, because you know he wanted to make people afraid that right. because the Jews were industrious, they were even worse. They were known as being smart, and I can tell you personally, some are and some aren't. But, well, yeah, um, I mean that's from my experience, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and and after all, you know, we've assimilated now, so that we have almost as many stupid people as smart. Yeah, it's what happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're absolutely right. There's no it's question. It's part of the melting pot. You know, one of the things that melts is your intellect. Well, look so, what's going on right now. The United States is now in 24th place in reading and math. Did you know that? 24th well, yeah, place it's, in the world. It's been. It's been. And of course, you know, we don't really know how bad it could be because these are pre-pandemic figures. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. So I, it's safe to say it that I think that it's probably gotten worse. God, can you even believe that? Why did we give up on educating? Actually, educating and 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 being learned are two. See, being educated and being smart are two different things, and people don't realize they think that if you're smart, you're educated. Well, that's not necessarily true. And if no. you're educated, it also doesn't mean that you're smart. But people think that's the same thing, that education and intelligence is the same thing, and it's flat out not even close. Well, let's face it, you and I are uh, poster boys for that. Mm, that's true. <laughs> I suppose, well, we, yes, we're we not are. educated. We're not educated, that is true. Well, no, you're right about that. That's very, very, there's not a lot of education there, and we seem to have gotten by somehow, which is kind of nice. I just, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there was a there was a thing last uh, that appeared this morning in the Star Tribune, getting back to the old neighborhood, because where I grew up, and again I talk about this one once in a while, the Catholics, Jews, and uh, and uh, black people. That's who lived in North Minneapolis. Right. Now, of course, they show a, a scene this morning, the corner of Broadway and Lindell. Excuse me. Yeah, Broadway and Lindell. The Merwin Liquor Store, and then, of course, there's a winter gas right across the street. There was a, right. a guy at open fire with an automatic weapon, a machine gun, just driving by in an SUV, open fire with a machine gun on just yeah. willy-nilly people out there, right? Yeah. And it just struck yeah. home because I spent so much time in that corner because when it was Merwin Drug, my mother was a waitress there at the fountain. Mm-hmm. And I spent, I cannot tell you how much time I spent on that street corner, and now... It's a scene of one of the most uh, hideous murders of all time. 
Yeah. I, I just I hate looking back at it that way, Mike. I do. I hate it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's scary. Uh, just you, you just kind of cringe before you go online and see what happened overnight while you were trying, trying yeah, desperately yeah. to sleep and probably failing. No, that's yeah. exactly it. That's exactly right. I, I just you know I, I have those wonderful memories, and it basically it was from Lindale to. Uh, Excuse me, from the river to Lindale was pretty much your Catholic neighborhood, and then Lindale mm-hmm. over to Penn was a black neighborhood, and then Penn west of there was a Jewish neighborhood. And yeah, everybody my, came my, and went. Uh, it was wonderful. My, my grandmother and, of course, my mother lived on uh, 8th and Newton. Yeah, there you go. There, there you go. Just oh, she, she was on the wrong side of Penn Avenue by about, like, uh, two blocks. What the hell, man? You can't have oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, even, you know, as a little kid. Before before they fled from the from the area, I mean, I saw you know I saw police chases and, and you know people shooting, cops shooting shooting at 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 suspects you know while they were speeding down Newton right. Avenue. Right. It was like the Wild West. It was back in the old days. We got to take a break here for a quick second, then we'll be right back. Mike Gelfand is with us, and back in seconds, as I said. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan's Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan's Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit BloomingtonBoatShow.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like suburban manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy. And that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Gelfand oh, with us. He just dropped off. He just dropped off. Uh, Why are we having such a problem with Jeff? I don't Jeff know. Foxworthy calls in, then he drops off. Oh, he's he back. Oh, see, look okay, at he's back for real this time. Mr. Foxworthy, how are you? <laughs> I'm an idiot. No, I you're. Bet, I, I went. <laughs> I, I went from. My busiest thing I had to do all day was 
to maybe buy dog food. So I've been in 13 cities in 16 days, and uh, I, ju- I have no excuse. It just, I, I got the time wrong, and I'm an idiot. No, that's good. How, how long do you have? Because I don't want to hold you longer than t- the time. Did you have 15, 20 minutes, or what, uh, what kind, what's your time frame? I, I got whatever you need. Yeah, I'm Okay, good. so we'll be on until like I'm 4 good. or 5 o'clock this afternoon. That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jeff, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, our special guest, uh, his comedy show at the Pantages Theater, October 30th. It's a Saturday, two shows, one at 5 p.m., one at 7.30. And I would tell you uh, this morning in the Star Tribune, the local newspaper here in Minneapolis, there's a big article about how you're uh, going to shoot a Netflix special uh, while you're while you're and, and, and apparently Jim Gaffigan is, is following your lead because he's in town tonight, tomorrow night and the next night. Uh, Saturday night as well, and he's shooting a Netflix uh, series. So apparently, Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis is a hot spot for great comedy. So that's good. It, it, Minneapolis has always been a great spot for yep. comedy. The yeah. last the last thing it for Netflix, I did Larry the Cable Guy there. And oh right, yeah. I don't know. I've just I, yeah, I've always just loved doing shows there. And this this thing that I've been playing with this time around is called the good old days because my in-laws what they're like they take great pride in telling you how tough they had it growing up you know like you know yes. no electricity and we only had dirt to eat and, and but then they finish it off by calling it those were the good old days and and so during, during covid i just thought all right i'm gonna do a deep dive on this and and just look at were things better then or better now, you know, and and so it's kind of been kind of fun because it's multi generational, you know, the way we did things. Like, right. remember when you were a ki- kid, and if you went to, when you went to the doctor's office, if you behaved, you always got to stop by the treasure chest on the way out, the little sure. the little cardboard box full of the cheap toys. Remember that? Yes, sir. I mean, and I'm thinking, why did that have to stop? I I wouldn't mind going to the doctor and him putting on the rubber glove to check my prostate if I knew that on the way out I was going to get to swing by and grab a new spider ring, you know? <laughs> I mean, why, why, why did that have to stop? I agree. You should have never stopped yet. Now, one thing I do have no. to tell you about the appearance today is there's a guy that's usually on the show named uh, Doug Sprinthal. He does a, the second hour of the show. He does car selling secrets. Uh, he's really good about it, and a lot of people call in about, you know, muscle cars or race cars or their family car, all kinds of great stuff, right? Um, so I told him, because he's out of town, he's in Vegas at a convention, I said, um, we, we had a really hard time replacing you on the show, Doug. I don't know what we're going to do. We could only get Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> he said, what? And I said, Jeff Foxworthy is going to take your spot on Thursday. He goes, would you do me a favor and ask him? Because he's just wild about this. He does this. He's the, does this thing on car selling secrets called your very first car. So if you don't mind, Jeff, he wants me to ask you what your very first car was in your life. Well, beggars can't be choosers. First no. of all, so <laughs> yeah, there I, you go. I I inherited my uncle's used green Pinto, where the back left quarter panel was actually white. <laughs> Uh, and it was kind of like a Fred Flintstone car in that if you were going uphill, you had to open the door and stick your leg out and kind of help it. It was like a scooter, you know. Uh, yeah, that was that was my first ride. So what, uh, And boy, don't you know, the chicks were lining up to cruise around in that thing. 
The green pit. What year was the Pinto? Oh, I'm thinking it was probably like a 71. Yeah. 71, 71 green Pinto with a with a white quarter panel. Now we're talking. Well, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the the first car I ever bought. Now this is this is the redneck in me. The first car that I ever bought for myself, I bought a Rally Sport Camaro. Because you're not really a redneck until you've totaled at least one Camaro. Well, that's true. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's no doubt about that. I, I just, I love the fact that when people talk about their cars, this, that, yeah. Cars are very, very important to people, women and men, all the rest of it. But this one wonderful thing, and it's been pointed out by every person who's ever listened to this show, so I think we're about two, three million people in now. My daughter was in one uh, one day with the... Uh, with Doug and Doug said, Alex, now what was your first car? And she kind of looked up at the ceiling, was thinking about it. And this is a true story. And you know this, Mr. Foxworthy, because you've done rather well in your career. So you understand your children had a different life than you did. And uh, our daughter's the same way because uh, we asked her, he asked her what her first car was. And she said, you know, I don't really remember. It was either the Audi or the Jaguar. <laughs> Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> she, she's going to have a hard time telling stories about how tough she had it in the good old days. I can tell you that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You're going to have a, a hell of a time telling stories about that. No question about it. God, I, it's so, you know, Jeff, we're, you were just on the, the KQ Morning Show. I've been doing a KQ Morning Show for 37 years now here in Minneapolis, and you were just on last week, and wow. it was so nice of you to step up and be on this show as well, because every time you call in, whether it's the morning show or the afternoon show here, I just, man, I get great, la- you, your take on life, uh, you know, it's not that, it's not that situation where, well, you know, he's very clean, and he all that. That part, yeah, that's true, but that's not why you're so funny. I mean, you 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 feel every story you tell, don't you? I do, you know, yep. and I and I just I talk about my life. You know, people were like, "How do you come up with that?" And I just and maybe we talk about this, but you know, I just assume if if I think something or my wife says it or my family does it, I just think other people are thinking and saying and doing the same thing and. And, you know, to be able to laugh at ourselves, because we've kind of lost that in this country. We, yes. We've lost the ability to laugh at ourselves, and because I, we're all idiots. Well, none of us have got this figured out, you know? And so I just admit it. I'm like, hey, I'm an idiot. I don't know, but, but it sure does make life easier, and you just learn to, to, to laugh at things. And I think as human beings... We need it. You know, that's one thing during this pandemic. We haven't had live comedy. And all the comedians I talk to, they, they, they tell me people are coming up to them and going, oh, my God, I can't remember the last time I laughed like that. Yeah. Oh, and I yeah. think it's good for our health. You know, we need to. You know, one of the great moments last week when you were on the KQ Morning Show here in Minneapolis was uh, <clears throat> when I when I mentioned, and I, I'll mention it again, and, and then I'll just be quiet because you you did you killed it. It was just wonderful. 
I asked you your feelings on on cancel culture, and I believe that was before they went after Dave Chappelle. I think it was just I, either it was that day or the day before. And your take on the cancel culture and the fact that you cannot be funny anymore for some people, I love the way you went after that subject. Well, you know, and I think what we've lost in all this is is intent. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it's like, like, like 30 years ago when I was writing stuff, I would say, why do men do this and women do this? Or why do women do this and men do that? And then, you know, then I had people going, well, I'm a woman. I don't do that. Or, mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'll say, why do I do this? But my wife does that. I'll make it, you know, more personal. But but, but the intent, it, at least for me, I'm just not mean-spirited. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's right. feelings. I'm not trying to exclude anybody. I'm just trying to make you laugh. And and if that doesn't work for you, then I'm sorry and don't watch me, <laughs> you know. But it, it we've lost. What is the intent of all of this? And the intent of it is to point out that none of us have figured out. Every day we're coming to a hundred forks in the road and we're guessing left and right. And you know sometimes we're correct and sometimes we're not. But we, you know when we live in a society now where everybody has to be right. That means somebody else has to be wrong, and people don't like being wrong. They just walk away from, from you. And so what we lose is conversation. Um, I, I, somebody the, the other day, I, I was doing my podcast, and they said something that was counter kind of what I had always thought, but as they explained themselves, I, I was thinking, you know what, that is a valid point. That is a valid point, and I had never thought about it that way. And we pers- and and he, over the course of this, changed my mind about something. Oh, but that can only happen when we have conversation. And people don't want to do that right now. I, I you know, it came up on the morning show this morning the fact that. I don't know why it is we can't get away from singling out one group of people based on skin color, whether it be black or brown or white or whatever. We always have to have one group of people, oh, my God, you're bad people. Why do we have to blame our problems on one particular group of people? I don't get it. Well, I don't either, and and I don't think that's, you know, unique to now. I think it's probably always been that way. But if you think about it, none of us. Not you, not me, not our children had any say-so in what country we were going to be born into, what parents we were going to be born to, and what color our skin was going to be. So, to me, if you had no control of and no say-so about it, how can you take pride in that, or how can you be ashamed of that? You know, you had no control over either. It, it would be like asking somebody that was born without an arm to be ashamed of that. And they were like, right. oh, I had no control. That's the way I was born. And so it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, we, God, it's our egos that always get in the way, that we feel like we've got to be superior to somebody else. And that's the way we elevate ourselves. And I just have never looked at people that way. I just, I just don't. You know, in my mind, if you are kind and, and if you are making an effort, 
I don't care what you look like. I'm going to be kind to you. Right. I, 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 it does not matter. So, you, you know, and if you're not kind or if you're trying to take advantage of somebody else, then I'm going to have a problem with you. And again, it doesn't matter what you look like or where you're from. It just amazes me, too, Jeff, the fact that the people are, are, who are the most distant from what they perceive as the problem, in other words, they don't live in those neighborhoods, they don't deal with those people, uh, they're always experts at what those people are really all about. I've never understood how you can be an expert on somebody you, you've never even met or don't even know. That's the part I don't get. I, I'll tell you a great story because, like, my whole life, my, my aunt was, was in, um, worked with child, childhood uh, cancer. And so when I started being a comedian, I would do all these things for either St. Jude's or the Duke Children's Hospital or Make-A-Wish. I, I was doing all these things with childhood cancer. And I never had any heart pull towards homelessness. And I met a guy one day about 13 years ago, and he worked at the biggest homeless shelter in Atlanta, and he invited me to come down for lunch, and I liked the guy, and, and I'm like, yeah, I'll come down for lunch. Now, I was one of those people with homeless people. The way I interacted with them was at the stoplight, here's five bucks, please go away. That's the way right. I interacted with them. Right. So I go down there to have lunch, and this guy sits down. He's like 21 years old white kid in the middle of the urban city sits down with us and he's living in this homeless shelter. Now, my first thought was, dude, you're 21 years old. You're healthy. Get a job. What, what the heck are you doing living on the street? Mm -hmm. His name was Jason. His name was Jason. And so I always want to know people's stories. I said, Jason, what's your story? He said, well, he said it was me, my brother, my mom and dad. And then when I was 11, my mom killed herself. Oh, and God. Two, year, two years later, my brother killed himself. And then it was just me and my dad. And my second year of college, my dad killed himself. And he said, I just got to the point where I couldn't hurt anymore. So I started getting high. God. Well, when you get high, you can't go to school and you can't hold a job. And that's how he ended up on the street. And, and as I'm sitting there listening to him, I'm thinking, Holy cow, did I get high, too. I'd get high every day. Yeah. That was my life. No, you're right. You're absolutely and, right. And then, so all of a sudden, this wasn't a guy standing at the corner. This was this was a fellow human being that had had some of the most tragic stuff I've ever heard of happen to him. And you know what? He, he, he needed somebody to love on him. He needed somebody to walk beside him through this stuff. And I am happy to say, 13 years later, Jason graduated college, Ooh. and he is a nurse and got his own place, and he's doing okay. But so until you know somebody's story, until you know what they're holding, it, it's really crappy to even judge anybody. No, there's no, and, and, and that's a very, very good point. You need to get to know somebody before you judge them and to make these sweeping that, that all black people are bad, all white people are bad, all that. You don't know them. You, you can't say that. They had, well, as you said, if you're born without an arm, it's really not your fault you only have one arm, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, my, my default is I, I try to be kind to people and have grace with people. Because I don't know their story. Mm -hmm. And then as you get to know them, 
you know, then you adjust. But yeah, I and and I don't know what's so hard about that. And 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 from sitting there having lunch with that guy, I ended up working. Well, COVID, we had to stop. But for twelve years in a row, we'd get up at five o'clock on Tuesday mornings and go down there and lead a men's group mm. in this homeless shelter. So so for thousands of mornings, I've been down there because I went crap. There's some guys up there that just got kicked in the gut that that need somebody to, you know, kind of walk them through this stuff. And, you know, I don't, people don't know that about me. I don't do it so people will applaud me. There was just, that was a place I could step in. And, you know, if we would all just do that to each other, you don't have to change the world. Just just make your little corner of it a little better. That's all you got to do. And if everybody made their corner better, the world would be a better place. That's true. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no Jeff. Why do you think it is? Um, <clears throat> you know, in, in my situation, people go, why, "Why? How did you ever get into business? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? How did you end up being such a great storyteller? I mean, you are a terrific storyteller. Was it in your family? Is it something? I tell you, the reason that I got into telling jokes and doing all that stuff, my father and I never got along, and the only time he was ever happy with me was when I was making him laugh, and that's a fact. Was there something like that in your life as well? Now, you have to repeat the the first part of the question only because my wife had called me, uh, and I lost you for just a second. Well, say hello if you would, please. I would appreciate that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I declined her. I'm sticking with you, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to be popular now, there's no doubt. No, I was just talking about you're a great storyteller. You're very, very good at telling stories. You're a very funny guy. But the story, the storytelling part of the reason you are so funny, where did that come from, do you think? You know, I don't, I'm not sure where it where it came from you know it was uh it was funny like early in my career i kind of found my audience with with country music fans and right yeah and country country music is the only form of music that's had comedians associated with it like you don't have rock and roll comics you don't have no that's true jazz comics but and, and I think the reason that is is because if you think of every country song is a story. It's, you know, like, yep. I love rock and roll. I love the song Layla. I have no idea what it's about. I can sing every <laughs> word of it. I have no idea what it's about. But, it, you know, I was, I, I had a lot of, ner- I had nature in that I think I was probably born funny. But both sides of my family they would sit around and tell stories and they were there were a lot of people on both sides that were funny mm-hmm. that's kind of the way they would pass the evening is sitting there talking and you know telling these funny stories so i'm sure i oh, we lose him no he's still on but looks like the connection might be uh not so great oh that's too bad well, we could certainly take him. Hey, Mike. By the way, you're more than welcome to ask a question. I, I'm not trying to bury you in the in the. Oh no, you guys have a, have a good rap going on, and I, I'm just really thinking about, you know, <laughs> how different 
his South was from the South my father experienced. Oh, I'm sure. Well, that's ex- that's exactly the point, Mike. I think it's true. Now, where did where did your father grow up? Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right, Tulsa. That's where you go. But you know, I mean, he didn't grow up with around people who were telling full stories every day. He grew up around people who were trying to survive the, the bigotry and hatred that surrounded them every day. Yeah, yeah. No, it's absolutely it's a little different. And of course, my father. You know, he he was he was uh, older than Jeff's father, and my father grew up during two things that kind of changed history and, and the people who lived in the air, and that was the Dust Bowl and the Depression. Right. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So, and of course, you know, getting beat up every day by the sons of Nazis didn't didn't really make him any more uh, amenable to uh, humorous jokes. Uh, it, so it's just you know everybody has a different perspective. His was not, and and also I should point out my dad was not a funny man. Oh, wasn't you know, he really? My dad, he had no sense of humor. Oh, well. <laughs> well. I, that's why I've always said that, that you know, that sense of humor uh, and, and a full head of hair skipped generations. <laughs> oh, God. Is Jeff back? <laughs> yep. Jeff is back. My dad Jeff had a full Fox head went... of hair and, and no sense of humor. You know, and I, and I think I would probably trade the the uh, I'd probably trade for that. I'd say, okay, you can have my sense of humor. Now, give me a full head of hair. Give me the full head. Jeff Foxworth, this is Mike Gelfand. Mike and I have been working together for 35 years off and on. Known him forever. Brilliant writer. Very, very funny man. Mike Jeff, Jeff Mike. I, I, we only got a couple minutes left here because I don't want to hold Mr. Foxworthy all day. And So nice of you to call in the first place. But I, I just want to hear a little exchange between the two of you because that's got to be brilliant. Cross culture. No and, pressure. And Mike, and Mike, you have you have no control over whether you were born, you know, with the genes to have a head of hair or not. And I'm really trying to not, because I don't either. But I'm I am glad I still have hair. It's turning gray, but I am glad I still have it. Well, my grandpa and my dad both have hair. I do not. So that's true. You never know how it's going to turn out. It's just a random injustice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the universe mocking us is all it is. There's no vaccine you can take. <laughs> no. And believe me, I tried. No. It's just random injustice. We'll put it up to that. You know, when I found out I was balding was when I started covering uh, a, a professional basketball team. Oh, they look down on you, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. They would notice the bald spot before anybody else did. Huh. Yeah, I, I had no idea, but they were, of course, <laughs> given, given the fact that my writing offended them, they were very quick to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to tell Mr. Foxworthy, my, I, you just told it last week, Mike, but i gotta, I got to push you on it again. Mr. Gelfand, one of the first times we ever appeared on the air together, Jeff, uh, came up. He, he kind of... I looked in Studio B, Jeff, and there was Mike, and he had his face in his hands. You know, his head's down, his face is in his hands, and he's kind of breathing heavy. And I thought, man, what's, it's some kind of depression. What's going on in there? So on the air, I said, well, is Jeff still with us? Yep. Oh, I heard that little blip. Although, um, are you there, Jeff? I think he might have dropped out again. I think the signal where he is, he's in his car right now, it uh-oh. looks like. Ah, there we go. Back once more. I'm here. <laughs> You're having a ball today, Jeff. Anyway, so Mr. Gelfand, very quickly, uh, Mr. Gelfand, I want him to tell you the story about I'm looking at him. We're on the air together. I look at Studio B. He's got his face in his hands. He's, he's kind of looking really, really sad. 
And on the air, in front of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, I said, Mike, what's wrong? And now, Mr. Gelfin, if you tell Mr. Foxworthy what was wrong, I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know. I had so many neuroses at the time. But yeah. I think it was a combination of, uh, of having basic depression and having to get up like at 4.30 in the morning, which is my bedtime. That'll do it. No question. But it had something to do with, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with uh, your marriage, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Well, right. <laughs> that we were having some rare problems with the marriage, and, and it had occurred to me at the time that, uh, you know, I, I, it was one of those epiphanies when I realized that the only thing my wife and I had in common was that we both hated me. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of my favorite jokes of all time. And we can close it. I went, Jeff Fox, where you come to See, I knew you'd love that joke. See, Mike, I knew it would be a hit. Oh. It's the greatest. October 30th, two shows, 5 p.m., 7.30. Isn't it, isn't it the greatest? Jeff Fox, where you be in town at the Pantages Theater. October yeah, 30th, two fun. shows, 5 and 7.30. Jeff, I look forward to seeing you in town. It'll be great to see you. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me back on. Have a terrific weekend. You too. Thanks very much. Mike, you ready to take a break? We'll jump back. We've got a couple. We've got three more guests coming up in the next hour. Looking Whoa. forward to it. Good well, to actually, yes, before we go into break, I am going to bring Adrian up so we can tell him that it's going to be about, what, three, four minutes until we get to the yeah, next segment. A, is that okay, Adrian? That is fine. Okay, good. We'll be with you in about three minutes. Right, right back. Okay, Adrian Washington will be with us in three minutes with the family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant 
Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zap. They ship today. Jim, Jimmy Francis. We got Melissa, we got Andy, we got Mike Gelfand, and we got Adrian Washington. Adrian, how are you, sir? Not too bad. How you doing, my man? I'm doing extremely well. So what what do you got cooking this week? You got to have something going this weekend. You got Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> followed by Adrian Washington. That's some good comedy right there. <laughs> I got uh, I'm in Annandale this weekend with uh, Elise Cole and uh, Pierre Douglas. We're at Billy D's um, Saturday night at 8:30, and then next week, Friday and Saturday, so that's October 22nd and 23rd. I have the great Tony Wood or Tony Woods coming, the guy who actually taught Chappelle how to do comedy the right way. God, is that. Adrian, you brought it up. I got to ask you, what is wrong with this world? You going after Dave Chappelle? Oh, these people got to be crazy. Uh, boredom, obsession. Yeah. Uh, you know, I seen something the other day, and it said uh, it's a, a one-sided beef is an obsession. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the crazy part about it is what's he doing that he's never done before. No, that's exactly it. And by the way, he's a comedian, so what, we can't be funny anymore? Is that the problem? Right. <laughs> it's kind of suck, man, when we got to, uh, when you got to go to a Oh, we lost them. Because they're worried about what people think. Yeah. And oh, as yeah. somebody who, who knows them personally, man, like, even if you watch it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but if you watch it, there's no ill intent. There's no malice. There's no, no nothing. No, there's nothing like that. And, Adrian, I brought up the point where I grew up over North Minneapolis. If somebody was nice to you, it means they either wanted something or they didn't like you. <laughs> That's just a fact. Right. It would just be a nice to you to get you away from this. Yeah, good to see you. Hey, okay, go away. Right. Here's that 20 bucks. I know I'll never see you again. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, unless people were ripping you, making fun of you, calling you names, all the rest of it. It just, that was Man, signs of I, you know what? That's how you knew that was a friend. I, yes. I tell my kids now, I said, you guys were never made, as fragile as you are, you'd have never made it off my bus stop. No. Oh, God, no. Oh, not a chance. To sit in the back of the bus when I was a kid, you really had to know how to hold your own. Mm. And it made, like, it it, it, it was great because that's the stuff that gets you through life now. I agree with that. You know, hey, look, if you can't laugh. I'm not saying anybody deserves to be bullied, but it's like you got to have an experience to know how to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. If, if, If everything is... If, if everything in your life is great, man, it's going to suck when, when you think you have a problem. Adrian, I tell a story about a friend of mine in high school. I haven't seen him since high school, unfortunately, but his name was Ralph. I don't need to use his last name, but his name is Ralph. He's about a six foot three, six foot four black man in America today. Went to high school with him at North High School. And he came up to uh-huh. me one day, Adrian, he goes like this. He goes, hey, Tommy. I said, yeah, Ralph. He goes, man, Tommy, you're funny. But don't ever make fun of me. <laughs> like, you got it, pal. Yeah, he, he wanted to make sure that I, 
that I was oh. never going to make fun of him because he was a little touchy about that. You know what I mean? Did we hold up? I had a malfunction. Oh, you did? Was it the phone or Hello? you? Hello, who is it? <laughs> Hello? I'm still there. I can hear you, but my Bluetooth disconnected. Yeah, that, it does that. Yeah, it'll happen once in a while. That's all right. It was it was a great story. It's too, it's too well, hold on, Okay, we're gonna hold. Come on. on. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting. We got we, we can wait it out. We Not can hear you. You can hear me. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Hello. Good. God, that's what we need is Jimmy doing this now. Here's what I like so much. Everybody is dependent as hell on their phone. They can't get away from their phone. And these damn things don't work worth crap. It's terrible. They're they're too complex for their own good. Yeah, they are. Believe me, I would know. (laughs) I've been spending the last several months programming for Android, and it's, yeah, it's very, it tries to do everything when it shouldn't. Like, I what do you, you. Well, I mean, like literally, it tries to replace every other piece of technology ever created. Oh, this which one is like you know, it started as a phone, and now it's supposed it's this supercomputer that's also a gaming device, that's also a telephone, that's also a business laptop. Yeah, it's like you yeah. Know. You heard what happened to your mom and me yesterday, right? I did not. Mom and I are going down. Well, I won't even say what street we're going down, but we're driving along on the way home from the podcast and. This woman's coming out of a, a parking lot. She's crossing the oncoming traffic in coming into our lane. I look over, and she's at a stop sign, just blows right through the stop sign. She's looking down at her phone. She did not look up, not once. Oh. Your mother literally had to slide sideways with the vehicle. Otherwise, she would have just crushed us. She never did look up. She never knew. She almost just yep. rammed Sounds right about in right. She had no clue she was going to hit somebody because she never looked up. That's illegal, I think. I see that a lot. Oh, you see that a lot? Everyone sees it a lot. It's everywhere. I see that a lot, man. It's scary. How do you drive and not not look? Like, not look around? I don't get it. I see. She never looked up. And Catherine, even when she laid on the horn, because she was honking the horn trying to warn the woman, woman never looked up even when the horn was honking. She didn't care. <laughs> then we looked over, of course, and we realized she was not only looking at her phone, but she had her little ear earbuds in, so she couldn't hear anything either. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you can't see and you can't hear when you're driving a car. Shuffling That's... Spotify or something. Yeah, probably. So, Adrian, we got you back. I'm glad to hear that. So, uh, yeah, I was just telling a very quick story about Ralph saying to me, he's a very big man. He said, Tommy, you're a funny guy, but don't you ever make fun of me. <laughs> I will never forget that as long as I live. <laughs> and I did obey, by the way. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> I did indeed. Adrian, are you going to be in Annandale? This is Jimmy Francis. Annandale, Minnesota? Yeah. So my brother owns the car dealership up there, Country Chev. I know this is the Walzer deal, but stop in there and kick some tires around <laughs> and then just tell him, nah, not going to do it. Not gonna, I'm not buying it. Six gotcha. hours looking at cars. <laughs> they got soda. They got a bunch of stuff up there. Have lunch. That'd be wonderful. I would I'd love to be oh, there. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> so what's the name? Is it called Country Chev? Country Chev, yeah. Oh, that's good. There you go. Probably the only one in Annandale. It's not very big. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got a room. I do a, I, I do a show every month at Billy D's. So I, I book other mm-hmm. comics with my company, One Mike Entertainment. I book other comics, and we started doing it last year, and it's just been going really great. Uh, I've done a couple fundraisers there. Great people. I knew them from years ago when they used to be cooked at this other uh, restaurant bar in St. Cloud. 
and one of my friends who was bartending for him was just like, man, I got a place for you that you could have like outside of St. Cloud because I do a monthly show at the red carpet in St. Cloud too. Mm, okay. I just brought uh, Sam Comro from America's Got Talent. He did September with me for a weekend and now I got Tony Woods coming. And these tickets for sale on eventbrite.com. So if you go to eventbrite or just make it easy on yourself, go to my website, funnymanadrian.com. Funny man, I was going to use funnymanadrian.com. I didn't know you stole it. <laughs> well, that's why I stole it, Tom. So you couldn't use it. <laughs> so I couldn't use it. You got to get ahead of the game. Yeah, get, a, get way ahead of the game. That's... You got to be a little more savvy than that, Tom. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. So, so things going well. You, you, you got uh, your company's doing well. You're, you're appearing constantly. That's great to hear, Adrian. Uh-huh. Now, you, how long have you been married? I've been, it'll be eight years in June. It'll be eight years. Now, you have a great marriage, you got a great family, all the rest of it. Do you spend a lot of time on the road? And how how does that work when you spend a lot of time, you know, you're out on the road and Uh, you don't see your family? I tell everybody, like my wife, she knows what she signed up for, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, uh, not like I started doing it two years ago and I was just like, I'm going to start being gone, you know. Um, And it's funny because my mom says that to me all the time. She's like, oh, my gosh, you're always gone. She's like, what's your poor wife going to do? I was like, well, she's going to do what every wife does. She's going to hold the house down till I get back. Right, right. <laughs> the the blessing for me is I don't have to be gone very long. You know, it's not like I'm gone two weeks or three weeks. I'm gone like a couple nights right, or right. four nights. You know what I mean? So and, and, and most of the shows, honestly, she can come too. If it's if even if it's only like a day where she can come out and be a part of the show. That does, yeah. We didn't lose him again, did we? Another Bluetooth? Yeah, issue? I think it might be. <laughs> okay, why don't we why don't we take the break here and come back and? Uh, only nine minutes in. Well, I know, but what are we going to do? Wait it out? I don't know. <laughs> you know, we can't really wait it out. Well, well, are, it's let's let's again. just see what he was going to say. Let's, yeah, let's no, all just see what Adrian was going to say. Yeah, let's, let's do the break here, and we'll come back and do the last segment. Uh, it'll be a long, longer segment. Okay. All right, we'll be right back. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. 
Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- Four nine one six five two seven. That's Continuum C O N T I N U U M Continuum Weight Wellbeing dot com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The next governor of the great state of Minnesota, Jimmy Francis, with us. Lieutenant Governor. God damn it, I try I try to get by with the whole governor thing. So you just don't want to be governor. Nobody like like Jit said yesterday, nobody shoots number two. So let's just stick with that and that's has there ever been a true. vice presidential assassination? Never. I don't think there I has. Don't, I don't Never. think so, no. I yeah. don't think so. That's been it's actually not something I've ever thought of before, but yeah. Yeah, uh, that's been a saying for years that, you know, I want to be number two. That's why nobody knows who the hell we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brothers, I've been here for five decades, guys, and I don't think anybody knows. Even your son's Everybody never been knows like, where Maharaja he's is. He's never been there. High times, Maharajas. I mean, people uh, never admit to it anyway. He's like, not like a high time <laughs> kind of guy, though. That's yeah. true. But, you know, we carry music. We carry everything. Posters, T-shirts. Yeah. I cre- But we created fun for this country. Seriously. Post- swords. Cards. It's swords. Swords, yeah. yes. Not swords. Yeah. But swords. But we have LeBron ever, James. If you guys ever, yeah, I have LeBron James. Yeah. Everything in the store. If you ever walked in, it's like being 50 years of uh, Americana. Because I love America, I've been over there, I've been, had a chance to collect this stuff, and just growing up. Wait a minute, you love America, you're not a white guy, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and not only I love America, I even pay taxes. You do? I pay so much taxes, but everybody's goals, you know, we're business people, I'm just saying, I might get in trouble. But we're business people, that's why we have CPAs, that's why we have accountants. Yeah. So when people get upset at Trump, and I'm not Trump lover or anything, no, don't get in politics. But he was a businessman. We want to pay the fair amount of taxes that we are forced to. You know, that's why CPAs right. and accountants do it. So when you're surprised that somebody tried not pay his taxes, you know, legally, why are you upset? That's why those loopholes are, right? But well, we, I mean, it, look at what they're doing now in, in Washington. I mean, my God, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> buys how many shares of Tesla stock, and then all of a sudden we discover, well, you can't drive a gasoline-powered vehicle. Oh, is that why you bought all the Tesla stock? You know that guy's worth a quarter of a trillion dollars now? Wow. That's Ooh. quite a bit of money. Elon Musk. Elon oh, Musk. Good for him. He's worth, well, actually, it's $224 billion. <laughs> it's not quite a quarter of a tr- trillion. I good think we may him. have Adrian back. It's kind of hard to tell. 
I'm back. Okay, good. All right. We'll just we'll just kind of float in and out with this thing, Adrian. It, it works out. Mike Gelfand's there too, but I haven't heard him pipe up yet. Got on my computer real quick. You got what? I got in the house and got on my computer. Okay, yeah, that'll oh, work that better. Yeah, yeah that'll probably work better. But we have uh, some guests in studio. So Adrian just joined in a conversation, and Mr. Gelfand, obviously, you can jump in anytime you want. Cause well, I, you know, I'm just in thrall. Ah, nice try. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. Here we go. Now, I'm just trying to talk Jimmy Francis into running for governor, but he won't do it. <laughs> he won't. Gil- do- I would on a Gelfand ticket. Oh, there you, oh go. you and Gelfand. Huh? I'd oh. be great number two, Gelfand. That'd be quite the ticket. <laughs> yeah. Governor Gelfand and Lieutenant Governor Francis. <laughs> oh, the things we could get done. We could yeah. go on the... Uh... On the uh, grumpy ticket. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that'll well, be the. You, see, that's again where we would uh, be oh. yin and yang for each other. Mm-hmm. He could be the grumpy, I could be the positive. Oh, there you go. You know, so that's, that's cheerleader. You. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I'm not a grumpy. You, man. You're not yeah, grumpy at all. But, you know, Jimmy, you can always have the next price, right? Number two, run the temple. Yeah, I mean, if we don't become the lieutenant governor, let's run the temple. Run the temple. We bring peace and love to St. Paul. Would that be like a temper, (laughs) temple emperor? Temple emperor, yes, that's exactly what it would be. I'm (laughs) being the temple keeper. You can be the emperor. (laughs) So I have to tell you a story from yesterday. I had a a meeting yesterday, and I'm at this uh, meeting with several other people, and having a nice time and all the rest of it. And this guy was, like, staring at me the whole time. Because, you know, I just lost 100 pounds and people don't even know it's me anymore. But <laughs> I didn't know if he knew who I was or he didn't or whatever. Yeah, Adrian, I've lost 101 pounds, man. So you lost me. I lost, <laughs> lost Gelfand. That's exactly right. I lost Mike Gelfand. How, how, how the hell did you do that, Tom? Uh, I walk anywhere between 10 and 13 miles a day. I only eat two meals a day. I kind of... I kind of watch the carbohydrates. That's what I do bake. Because people think you got to watch two things. you got to watch carbohydrates and salt. Cause salt well, and salt's not going to make you gain weight, but it will hold on to water weight, so you think you're gaining weight, and it kind of sets you on a bad path. But, no, it's, it, it actually wasn't that hard to do. It was a thing called ProfilePlan.com, and it, it all worked out really, really well for me. But, you know, what the hell. You do look good. The yeah. first thing I, mean, I for said, me. first Don't, thing I came I, in. I saw the look in you. your eye. You said you look good for you. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so did the, the guy recognize <laughs> you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> no. That, well, he did. Yeah. Well, it is still a cop. Yeah, that's right. So here's what here's what happened. So we're done with the meeting. All the rest of the room. We're walking out. And he comes up to me. and goes, Hey, can I ask you a question? I said, Yeah. He goes, Are you, are you Tom Bernard? Aren't you? And I said, Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, I got to ask you a question. And I figured he's going to ask about gas or this or that and the other thing. I said, yeah, whatever. What's your question? He goes, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, what? He goes, I hear some of the shit that you say on the air. Are you crazy? And he just walked away. So I, I don't know. That's a legitimate question. What, I, what do you mean, Adrian? It's a legitimate question. What the hell's that mean? But it is. It is a legitimate question. Yes, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't even deny that that's probably true. Um, but, you know, it all, it all works out in the end. We're all a little crazy. Nobody, nobody well, not crazy never made a difference, Tom. No, nah, that's a very good point. That's a great way to put 100%. it. 100%. It's a great yeah. way to put it. There's no question. So, Jit, what, what's the latest now? We get, i got to bring this up, and I don't want to bring this up, but we got to talk about important issues here. One of my favorite areas in the world, not just in Minnesota or in the Twin Cities or in the United States, whatever, 
that block you're on has always been one of my favorite. I just love walking down West 7th Street. I always have, you know, and then you got Tommy Reed there, and you got the Eagle Street there, and you got, you know, the truck stop, and you got. There's an Italian place there that you can't remember the name of. You know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you. But I love that. And what I hear, from what I understand, they found the young woman, that beautiful young woman who was killed right in front of Cassetta. Is that right? Yeah. That's where they found her body. crazy. Yeah. What is this all about? I mean, we had a story this morning on the Lindale and Broadway. My mother worked on that corner for, for decades as a waitress at Merwin Drugstore. Now I get to look at that corner because this guy opened up fire on a crowd with a machine gun yesterday. And a machine Whoa. gun, and he just drives by an SUV and just sprays bullets. It's like, what the hell is that? Wow. Well, so, I've lived over here for 52 years. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's not <laughs> familiar to you at all. Too many guns. It's That's the wrong all. people with the guns or just too many just guns? Just the wrong people with the guns because nobody, the chief, couldn't stop somebody that wants to carry a gun illegally or, you know, how do you control them? Yeah. So the people that were there. You know what? With, with the people that's doing that kind of shooting, they don't give a damn about having a license for a gun. No, they don't. You, well, you can't get a... If he, if yeah. he actually had a machine gun, you're not allowed <laughs> to just carry those around, no, no matter what. No. Unless you're military, That's full true. autos are not legal, except under very and, specific know, circumstances. There's, there's, there's way too many uh, machine guns over North Minneapolis for something. Oh, you got that right. They got their Tech 9s or whatever, which, yeah, they're not supposed to have. Those are all black market, every last one. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him come yeah, and talk absolutely. about Maharajis because what they're trying to do at the temple is bring the love and the peace. They've been across the street forever, forever of that yep. situation, and he's got yep. his doors open ready for the love. And, and I, what you were telling me before is St. Paul, the cops couldn't do that. The mayor can't do that on his own. It needs everybody, and, and if everybody just did a little love and a little peace and and uh, come to come together a little more, that, I think that was your message to me to for here for this uh, interview, right? We've been doing this from day one. We've been yeah, trying to take I'm, care of I young know. people. That's what we stood for. When I came to this country, it was July 4th, 1970, and Reagan was, uh, no, I'm sorry, Nixon, we just had mm -hmm. the Kent State, and so yeah, there was yep, a big yep. rally in Washington. So people were fighting this from day one. I was 21 years old, and beautiful country, and then here, 52 years later, we're sitting talking about these guns. Nobody had guns when I was growing up. No, I you remember that. they had chains and baseball bats, and now you can't. I don't know what's going on. Seriously, people are just so touchy that you know we you know, are this lot, joke. A lot of it, honestly, too, man. Is think about like because a lot of it seems like a lot of the younger generation is doing it, and you got to think about the games they've played in the last ten to fifteen years. I agree with you 100%. Now, let me point something out about this crowd. We're, we got Mike Gelfand, a nice Jewish boy. We got Jed from <laughs> India. We got Adrian, who's black. And then we got Jimmy Francis, who's a horrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> so diverse. Yeah, exactly. We're point, so, counterpoint. We're, we're so diverse here. <laughs> there. But well, you're wrong. It's all, you know, the whole just, thing disgusts me. I was just talking to a friend of mine about that before I actually got on with you guys. And I used to work at my old junior high school, and I still go over to the high schools, and it's they, they have no communication skills. They're literally a shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, that is true. Yep, 100%. Like they, they don't know how to manage their emotions, so 
it's they're they're so fragile you know what i mean like it's like mm-hmm. you you hurt me or i feel you did something wrong to me so this is all i know to do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like and that's why i think a lot of us who are older and who've been through some stuff that's why we got to keep talking like if you get one kid to listen then it, then it was worth talking you know what i mean like they're all yeah. not gonna listen yep it's so, but, Adrian, this is what the Maharaja stands for. That's why we're building this temple downtown St. Paul. It's not like a uh, non-profit. It's for profit. And I think, Jimmy, Jimmy, could you talk about that to them, about the temple what we're building? Well, see, Jit likes me to be the front man for him because I say things so eloquently. No, I don't think there's any question <laughs> about that. That's just a Can I give it a spin? Because he's white. He's a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. They listen That's to him. Adrian, they look at me and they think the guy's from India. He hangs around with young people. What the hell he knows? <laughs> you know, seriously, this has been 50 He's years of my life. Somewhere. I love that. So, but he does. He's listened to me and I think I need a team to put this into effect. I'm 74 years old. I'm nobody that I'm responsible for mm-hmm. other than just St. Paul. I'm all in with St. Paul. Everything I own no, that, is I know in St. Paul. But I'm just saying everything I own is there. So our goal is to, you know, I have no choice. we got to make it better. Can we just call him Honky now instead of Jimmy? (laughs) (laughs) Honky Francis. But what he's doing at the temple, and he's told, he's advised me that I can invite you to come and sit in the front window and have a a meal that's, uh, I'll cook you a meal, and you guys sit there and look at the stuff. We still got to do that. You got to get that other podcast going. Yeah, yeah, we we can do all that. But at his, uh, the temple, it's really a, a bazaar. It's really a inside market where he wants to put people to work. If you have talents and arts and stuff to sell, come and come to the temple yeah, and have great. a little booth and do your thing and give people opportunities, give people hope, give people a place to check in with. You can buy the stuff, as he says, online. All the stuff that's in his store is online, and that's mm-hmm. how they've survived through the pandemic is people right. are buying right. the stuff online and having it shipped to their house, which is great. It is. But he's 74. He needs people to see people. He needs people. He, he I'm going to die of loneliness. Yeah. He, just, <laughs> he loves the I, youth. The youth have kept him young. The youth have, you know, he's always focused on the 18 to 23, that yeah. age group where you, you're not, you don't have to be responsible. But then once you're done with college and you got to get a job and then you got to have kids or whatever, all that stuff comes. But that pure age in between there where you can do whatever you want, go hang out at the temple and, you know, look at stuff and Google this and buy things that you shouldn't be buying. And, you know, like, uh, what I mean like that was like the swords or the... Um, yeah, so buy <laughs> well, he's got, You know, the armor. He's got armor down there. He's got... I mean, there's so much stuff that this man, this group, this temple has collected over the years. It's super cool to go in there and look at it. And if you're just a concert goer and you go to the temple before the concert, how f- cool? Because it's the, it's the rock and roll headquarters. It's the hippies... Mecca for the hippies. Yeah, Mecca for the hippies. For the hippies. My whole goal is 18 to 23. You know, they blank. You can write your own software. You can put things, the right things in there. Right. Keep them out of the system. Show them there's other ways of doing this. Andy, you would love Maharaja, by the way. Seriously, there's so many fascinating things in there. You'd it love looking like around there. Oh, no, you'd love it. I'm telling you. I swear, Andy, we have I mean... Pokemon. We have Magic the Gathering. How did have... you know he likes that stuff, Jim? That I was know. very These good. are my kids. They grew up. How old are you? 30, 31, 28? Uh, 35. So, see, you see me as my son. So Definitely, yeah, I grew up in that whole era. And so, mm-hmm. I have original. I have a few alpha cards and all that crap. You know, I mean, oh. some, that's how I became rich. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because oh, we know posters, the posters from yeah. Yeah. so yeah. many bands that you would know. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it just we pulled one out from the Beatles yesterday, all yeah. signed. It's like wow. he's got so, it all. I want to bring you. Uh, we brought you a poster for the temple. You have the first poster. I made it one of one. That's amazing. And you enjoyed this. We just we did this. My daughter, she got passed with the kid. Oh, five years Jimmy's ago. digging through it now. He's gonna, so he's my gonna daughter destroy. got killed yeah. five years ago. Your daughter did? Yeah, and she was 21, and oh, this was God. her store. But it happened, you know, and that brought all the memories back with this woman. Why uh, it oh, yeah. hurt my heart. <clears throat> and so if you were going to do this, that was my daughter's idea and oh, mine. Oh, my God, look at that. So that's yours. And it's signed by the artist, and I even signed it. <laughs> well, I had to have you sign. <laughs> oh, it didn't cool. say and I have extra ones for you guys, you know. But nobody has that. That's the first time anybody's ever seen it. That's wonderful. So I just since Jimmy's been, I'm one of those guys. I'm a recluse. I don't go out too often. I don't either. And I'd like to hide. But now that's it. <laughs> but it's <laughs> giving right me a chance you. with this uh, the streaming. Can I tell them about the best of times I met? That's how I stream. Mm -hmm. And if they go on there, that's going to be a new channel. Jimmy's going to be on there. We want you to come over. You come and join that. us, please. And there's nothing I need. I've already got everything that I want. It's just one giveaway. You know, now yeah. it's time to give. I'm at that age. I have mm. nobody that I'm responsible for. Is that cool? Yeah. To not be responsible <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> at my age, you can only He's give. back to that 18 give. to 23-year-old mm -hmm. life, I right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when, you know, I love those kids because they, we can tell, ask them, and they're listening. And they have no worries at that time right now because mm. they're still going to college. After 24, they find our responsibility. They give up on Mr. Jit and they go, quit going to Maharajas because they have to pay bills. So they can't spend money like they when you're young. Does it bother you guys a lot? I mean, Maharaj has been there how many years now? 50? Close to five decades, yeah. Close 46 to five. Years. Yeah, 46 75 years. is when we started across Oh, yeah, town. 75, yeah, okay. Yeah. So Prince used to come to my store. We've always been connected with him. Mm -hmm. And so I still have more paraphernalia from him than anybody probably in the country. I can give you my whole conversation I had with him. You want to hear my conversation I, I had with to. Prince? <laughs> I was at a friend's house, and Prince was there, and he walked past me. And I looked at him, and he went, hi. That was it. That's it. That's the whole conversation. So cool. At least you got that. But it literally was, hi. It was like. I'm going I'm to let a little air out with the high, but that's about it. So, Tom, it. we have a T-shirt. It says, I don't know. And the other thing it says is if you're rich and famous, you don't need Jeff. <laughs> you so don't need Jeff. I like one, that. If you've already made it, what do you need us for? You know, we're looking for the next young kid that wants to be Prince. So I knew Prince when he was 17. He used to come to our stores. Right, oh, yeah. Because we were across from First Avenue. Yep. I own all those buildings yep. across where Timberwolves are. Mm -hmm. So we were blessed somehow, you know, nothing by design. It's so stupid. What do I know? So somehow you know, the uh, universe You know, I out. was the only journalist allowed on the set of Purple Rain. <laughs> there you oh, go. that's really? right. <laughs> that's and my you, print store, yeah. So they I, made the uh, movie in my building, the LA Adrian. Times. So Adrian, they made the movie in my building. Apollonia's apartment was in my building. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I said mm -hmm. that was called, uh, we were high times. And it was across from First Avenue. So every picture you see of the First Avenue from the right. front, that was taken from my building. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, was on, I was on the set for about... Uh, <laughs> I was on the set for about five minutes. And uh, 
and then uh, there was a break, and uh, Chick came over to see me. You know, when Chick comes over to see you, you pay attention, right? Mm. You remember Chick? Oh, Chick sure. Huntsbury. That Chick was Huntsbury, his, yeah. his bodyguard. Yep. Former professional wrestler. He's only about seven and, foot seven. Uh, he was uh, he was a scary guy. He was. And uh, I felt you know I felt a tap on my shoulder, um, but you know it felt a little more than a tap, probably because his <laughs> hands were the size of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I looked up and I saw this guy and I thought hmm, this should be interesting. And uh, he said, "You got to go." I said, "What? What do you mean? We just? <laughs> what do you mean I have to go?" He said. Prince says you got to go. He says you looked at him. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you. That's exactly right, right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm writing the story for the L.A. Times, you know, and I'm not supposed to look at him. Well, why would you do something like that, Mike? Yeah, I'm not, you to know, look I at a guy. What is wrong and, uh, with you? And I was so grateful to be kicked out of there because it's the last place I wanted to be anyway, you know. But I got my little scene, and then I got out of there, and I had a good story to tell. And um, as I, you know, as I recall, my but my friend Neil Carlin, you know, who wrote the definitive sure. book about Prince. Yep. It's and it's doing very well, by the way. I gotta say a nice word about that. Um, you know, he included that in his in his in his story in his book. But it's a great book if if you uh, if anybody wants to read about Prince, if they think they don't know everything there is to know about Prince. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, this thing called Life is the, the main title of the book. Neil Carlin. I can't believe that Neil hasn't been on the KQ Morning Show about that. Why hasn't he come on? Uh, I don't know. He's he's been working. And it seems like this book it's been published. It was published a while back. And mm-hmm. it seems he's always got to be working on some project connected with the publicity and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know, but I should uh, I should tell him that you know. He should come on both shows. Give you a call. Morning show and this show. That'd be great. Neil's a very nice guy. Really good guy. Terrific guy. Well, you know, he tolerates me, so you know he's a good guy. <laughs> so he and I have that in common. We're really nice because we tolerate you. That's perfect. Yeah, that, that's kind of like, you know, that's to me, that's the litmus test. <laughs> yeah. Whether we like you or not, that's the litmus test. <laughs> to like. him. To him. Yes, to him, that's the litmus test. Now, those are great stories, honest to God. Adrian, did you ever meet uh, Prince? I didn't. Never I did. I tell you what, though, when we moved to Minnesota from Mississippi, we knew two things for sure. It got cold as hell, and Prince lived here. That's all we knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like if you talk to anyone outside of Minnesota, you tell them from, you're from Minnesota, there's a pretty good chance they're going to say, oh, that's where Prince is from. Yeah. I was like, well, true. yes, that is true, but, you know, I'm not related to him or anything, so. Yeah, it didn't help me none. No. <laughs> it didn't help But me somehow none. we were always connected with Prince. I don't know why. First he did the movie. Your shop was great. He did the movie the over great. there, and then the Glam Slam was in the Wyman right. building. Yep. And we had the whole fourth floor, because I had wholesale businesses right. and all. Right, right. So it was just, we would always run into him. And like I told you, you know, he's just somebody that my brother knew really well, and he'd hang around with them. But again, very, very private. So, oh, he was very, very private and, guy. So somehow it's always been connected with us, it seems. It's a hell of a sad story when you think that he actually almost died on his airplane just a few weeks before he actually did die. That why they couldn't rein that in? I, I suppose if if he if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. Huh? But Tom, seriously, my daughter died one month after we did his celebration, exactly one month to the date. Oh, she got killed. 
she got, she got killed. killed yeah and God. she we had just done the celebration she was part of my company you know she owned maharajas mm-hmm. because i'd given it to she her was how old? 21. 21 so that was ex- it'll be five years uh, november 18. so i'm not it's so my goal is she came to me one time in my dreams a few years ago maybe it's a story too high maybe <laughs> i don't know but she told me Get, you know you have so much love for me for one person but i'm dead you don't need me so give it away just pass it on. So that's yeah. what we are doing. <clears throat> what a story. And when I saw this beautiful woman across the street, yeah. all these people yeah. come to my store. Come. What did you write down there? You wrote yeah. some stuff that day and you dated it. So from- here, see, this is what I wrote down, if you want. This is how the whole thing changed for me that day. It says, Jimmy Francis owes me $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what it says? I thought that's what it said here. It's just, you know. The lone clerk. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it says, actually. As of Sunday, I don't know if I can get through this. Oh, yes, you will. Come right. on. We're not being a serious Tomorrow. show. We want love. Though. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the death of my youngest brother. He oh, died one year see. ago tomorrow. It's tough, man. Yeah. And I found out one day before he died that he was dying. Uh, Nobody ever told me. See. Uh, well, he didn't ever tell anybody. I, just, I found out he was going to die, and the next day he did die. And that's one year ago tomorrow. Sid Hartman died two days after that on the 17th. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> he did. So, so yeah, just like was... my daughter died, you know, just she was with me night, just like this kid. She was gone in the morning. Yeah. And so yeah. how do you do this thing? So, you know, I don't think I've ever grieved over this. I don't know how. This what are you know, supposed Sid, to do? What do you Sid's do? His death was a real shock because he had just been to the Mayo Clinic uh, a couple weeks earlier for his annual autopsy, and they said everything was fine. <laughs> God, Gilvin, you're the worst human being of all time. There's no getting around it. His <laughs> annual autopsy it was 100. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty old. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through this. This is very sweet. As of Sunday, everything changed. More urgency, fragility of life, live in the moment, stay young, have fun. Life is for the living, so live. That's beautiful. That's nice, isn't That's it? beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and again, he's looking at, out the window of the temple. Did you just call him a guinea? <laughs> no. Again. Again. Oh, again. <laughs> again, he, again. Again. He's looking out the window of the temple at this tragedy across the street, yeah, and yeah. that comes to his mind. So, I mean, he, that's where his heart is and his mind is, and so, hopefully that yeah. could you know, help St. Paul and people, and actually Minnesota, if they, if they wanted to, is, yeah. uh, tune into the, to the temple at Maharaja's. It would be fun, and I mean, this is from the heart. I want to give everything away. I'm tired. Because this is just craziness, 52 years being there. So we want to make a little change. Like what you started with, if one person you can change, how cool is this? And we did this all our life. I know artists, I've always given them money. Right, right. Always took them in when they were young. Stay young, have fun. Now some of these are world-known, cause cool. These are guys that are making million-dollar deeds now. Mm-hmm. And they were all my kids. <laughs> It so is a great story. It's fun. It's what America should be, though. 100%. I, I'm the America best example be. of the America. If you guys ever want to see somebody who made it, I'm more American than most Americans. Because no, I appreciate yep. this country, what happened. What it, this is the only country, Tom, you can come from India, Bangladesh, Ethiopia, and you can become American. Yeah. Yeah. Where else could you go and say that? Can you become Canadian? 
No. You know, no, you know only yeah. in this country, we go over there, he's white American, you might be black American, but don't, nobody says that. He's just American. No, just American, that's exactly. No, you're absolutely right about that. I love that. this country. <laughs> I do, too, and I talk about it all the time. And, and I, I, once again, Adrian, you're on the phone. We got Jid in studio here. Mike Gelfan is on the phone as well. But I just, this whole, why we in 2021 are still pointing out skin color, instead yes. of trying to bring it together, you bring it up to tear it apart. I just don't understand why we do that now. You want to bring up skin color, let's bring us together, not separate us even further. Why is that? I, look, here's an example. My wife gets to travel a bit. Uh, I, you know, I'm working, so I don't get to go anywhere. But, you know. <clears throat> but she was in India a few years ago. And all these people lined up to take a picture with her. And my wife is about just short of six feet tall. She's got blondish red hair. She's very tall and thin. Just like my ex-wife. Same story. <laughs> Maybe she is your ex-wife. Who knows? But anyway, so she's taking pictures. And she was wondering why everybody wanted a picture with her. Because there were, there were lines of people lined up to take a picture with her. And they found out that the people in India thought that she was Julia Roberts. Oh, cool. <laughs> she doesn't look anything like Julia so, uh, Roberts. Take the she was white. <laughs> right? She was white. Sign some stuff. She's white. She's a honky. So yeah. we used to call them, you know, like my ex-wife would go, Diane. I'd never call her ex. Mother of my children. So yeah, when sure, she'd go right, to India... Right. They would run after her, Gori Mame, Gori Mame, that means beautiful white woman. Give us money. So she give had us to, money. Yeah, she would give it to them. Anybody calls you Gori Mame, you know, that. wouldn't you do it? So, but how many people I'm, I'm would you do it? my wife when she gets off work. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. But yeah. No, but she, she said they were so incredibly love polite Americans. and kind to her. She will never forget how kind the people in India yeah. were to her. We love Americans. I used to bring Americans. All these. I used to have uh, my best friend in the sense who mentored me. His name was Ken Logan. He was part of the Peace Corps. And the, oh, okay. this is when I was 14 years old. Then he became the head librarian of Berkeley. I checked him out. Oh, and God. he brought me in and taught me. I always loved America. You know, one of my favorite stories that my wife tells me about being in India, she said, you have to go sometime just to watch the animals in the traffic. She said, the animals stand on the curb and look to their left down the street <laughs> and time it when they can run across the street and not get hit. She said, it's amazing. It's about like pigs, cows, everybody. They just look down the street and go, okay, we can go now. <laughs> oh, be fun. She said, it's amazing. She, it, it, she said it was just a ball to watch it. Yeah. Because they get it all just timed out perfectly. <laughs> so next time you want to go over there, I have a house in New Delhi. You have a house in New Delhi? Yeah, oh, I didn't get to go. She so did, I'm just so saying, but if you want, I understood that, but I'm saying next time you want to go, you can take your wife and go take a trip. What are you waiting for? Uh, you know, only no working way, what 16 are you hours for? a day. That might have but that's what I'm saying. So that's why I work the same way, but we have to stop at some time. No, you're right. I'm right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I was just reminded, you know, you were talking about Julia Roberts, I was thinking about the movie Pretty Woman. Yes. And uh, you know who David Feldman is? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, right. Atomic, he's been on the morning show a number of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he's, got a, he's got a great uh, story he tells uh, about, this would be, of course, many years ago, about uh, he and his wife, uh, you know, it was kind of a date one night, and there wasn't much going on, so they had never seen Pretty Woman, so they... Decided that they would, uh, you know, they would they would watch Pretty Woman. They would stream it, you know, from the bedroom. 
lie back, relax, have a glass of wine. So uh, they watched the movie. After the movie, he said to his wife, you know, honey, <laughs> I, I just don't think we could find someone who'd pay a million dollars, you know, to sleep with you. But, <laughs> but he said, you know, that's terrible. He said, I, but, I, but I think we could get 50,000 people to pay $20. Oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Gelfand, you're a horrible human being. I just want you to know. Hey, you know, I mean, that's, I've said some terrible things, but... Yeah, not that not bad. bad. Not that bad. <laughs> no, I'm just bad. passing it on as a as a casual observer. A casual <laughs> observer. Oh is my this, god! Is this a car show thing? I mean, because he does have a story of his first car. I know that was. One oh, of we things. absolutely oh, have to hear off. about his yeah, first car. Yeah, that's a bad idea. We found out Jeff Foxworthy today. Jeff was on the first hour, and Jeff Foxworthy, great comedian, said that he, his first car was a 1971 green Pinto with one white quarter panel. Yeah. <laughs> The Pinto. Pretty classy. Ooh, what a great car. Which quarter panel did he say? Back left, I Back think. left. Yeah. You can picture it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can picture it now. All right, Jit. First so, car. When I came to this country, this is, again, 4th of July, 1970. Didn't know anything what was going on. The city was all empty. They were all uh, by the lakes. I had no idea. So I'm going, Sandy Johnson, what the hell did I do to you? I'm from New Delhi, right? Mm-hmm. So my story starts, so I moved in, finally I got settled in, moved in with some kids uh, to stay there. And they were from the different countries. And I lived on some of the, the worst apartments you can ever see on Park Avenue. They used to be mm-hmm. brownstones. So all these kids were living there, and somehow I got a place with them. And they had to leave the country because the immigration had told them, you, they were working and they got caught, so they had to leave the country. Oh, sure. So I had just bought a Volkswagen bug, because that's what all the hippies did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I bought this, and I think I paid $800 and probably had 70,000 miles on it. God. And we got into this, because they, these kids had to leave the country. And so we went to Canada, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh, sure. <laughs> and so there was one kid was Lakshman, another was Pratip, I think, two kids. One was from Nepal, one from India, and another guy. So we go over there, and from there, one went to uh, Mississippi to go to college, another one went somewhere else because they had to come back to America. Mm-hmm. You had, those days, it wasn't that strict. You go to Canada, you could come back. Mm-hmm. And so we're going past customs, going over there, this little car comes in, and I lost the muffler or whatever you guys call it. So it was making noise like a truck. And so here's a little Volkswagen comes in over there. So the custom guy says, we were looking for a big semi coming in. And so finally Three Indian made guys it in. in a Volkswagen. <laughs> so that's my story. I come back over here. I think six months later, I sold it for more money than I made. Because we took the speedometer and put it back. It wasn't, oh. it, wasn't, it wasn't illegal those days. And I had no idea they did it. Because in India, they used to do this all the time. Oh, yeah. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So the guy goes, and that's so stupid. Because I just, they did it. We sold it. But it still said, like, you know, $60,000 oil changed. When they changed oils and all that. Right, right, right. So it all was in there. So the guy comes to me, hey. 
I said, look, you buy it, it's done. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a gun, I'm assuming. No, this is in 1970. It was all peace and love. It was all peace and love. So yeah. the guy was buying the Volkswagen was probably another hippie, you know. Probably true. But I would never do it again. They changed the law after that, just so you know. No, you can't do that. Just so you know. You can't do that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Now, Adrian, uh, tell us yes, about sir. your appearance again this weekend. Where are you headed? I'm at Billy D's Cricket Tavern in Annandale. Saturday night at 8.30 with uh, Elise Cole and Pierre Douglas. And then next weekend, uh, the 22nd and the 23rd, I have the legend Tony Woods, um, who actually just performed on Tiffany Hatter's second season of Day Ready, uh, coming to St. Cloud, the 22nd and 23rd at the red carpet. Both tickets are for sale. Uh, one's $15 for Annandale, 20 bucks for the Tony Woods show. And after two-nighter, you can get tickets from funnymanadrian.com. Very good, sir. Funnymanadrian.com. Mr. Gelfand, what do you got? Well, I got a dental appointment. <laughs> okay, dental appointment. That's good. Glad to hear it. Well, thank you very much. I'll be doing some great molar. Uh, I have a great molar act. You know, I do uh, I do about a five-minute molar thing. It's pretty funny. I'm glad to hear. Now, when are you and uh, Jimmy Francis going to get together on the governor, lieutenant governor deal? Let's have lunch. Well, you know, I'm going to have to have him vetted first. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> after <laughs> all that, after all Tom said about you today. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> It's great to see you again. I'm, you know, you're, you've always been a very happy man. I like that. I'm thankful, man. Everything yeah, that's are. been given to us, I appreciate every every second of my life. I'm thankful I came to America. I'm glad I never went back. You know, I enjoyed yeah. this country. Everything has been given to me. And I have everything I can ever want. I don't know if everything's been given to you. I think well, you've no, earned it. But I'm just saying it was available to me. Yes, to be able it was to available. Earn it. Yeah, there you go, absolutely. Because we had the chance, so and we took it. I went to St. Thomas, uh, degrees from there. Andy yeah. went to St. Thomas. Did you? For so like you were, uh, two years. <laughs> you know, I didn't I, graduate, but I went. But I did graduate, and we used to pay $500 per semester when I went yeah. in 1972. And now kids pay. now. Yeah, we were in the streets because it went up to 550 I yeah. swear, in 1972, we were mm-hmm. protesting. They had raised it by $50. What was it now, 30 so G's is a 30 G, Yeah. No. I don't know about no, that, that much. much. What's, it is I a could lot. probably find out. There are some colleges in America, $77,000 a year. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Let's Tom, see, I told uh, my kids, don't, don't let your parents sign up loans for you. You stupid no. bastards. 18. <laughs> Yeah. No, seriously, you're 18 years old, and what do your parents know? Are you signing loans for $50,000? Mm-hmm. Oh, same time, yeah, 37000 per year. There, there you, go. you go. And it was 500 when 500 you were, when I went there. I graduated so in December of 1972. I was in a hurry. No, it was Just like a jet. Not a 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, when I went to like right? in Minnesota, they paid me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Especially when I left, they paid me. There you go. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's great to have you in. Melissa, thanks for coming in today. Andy, great job as always. Jimmy, we got Mike. We got Governor, Lieutenant Governor. We got uh, Adrian can run the police department. That'll be phenomenal. There you go. <laughs> the state police. What do you think, Adrian? You and the state police. I'm with it. I like it. Jit, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for inviting me, guys. Appreciate we'll, it. We'll talk to you next week with the family.